Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Ishmael Kawaja. It's Monday the 13th of May. Coming up, MP concerned about potential release of serial killer. There's a reason why he's Britain's longest serving prisoner. Uh, and that reason is because he's an incredibly dangerous individual. And we should not let somebody like that out on the streets lightly. Celebrities speak out for the Mental Health Minute. There are people out there desperate to be heard and you can help by taking the time to listen. An Ebbsfleet players stage a protest after not being paid again. Kent Online exclusive. A Kent MP told us he's concerned about reports a serial killer from his constituency could be released from prison. Patrick Mackay, who grew up in Dartford, is Britain's longest-serving prisoner after being convicted of murdering 11 people in the 1970s, including a vicar from Sean. It's understood the 66-year-old has already changed his name and is in an open jail. Gareth Johnson has written to the Justice Secretary about it. He was from Dartford. Uh, He travelled around the country a fair bit, but that's where his home originally was uh, placed. The biggest fear as well is that he remains, according to all accounts accounts that we've heard, a very dangerous individual. Uh, What I want to ensure, obviously, is that we are not going to allow a dangerous individual back out onto the streets of Kent. Ten times he has had his parole considered and turned down, but what's changed this time is that he's been allowed to go to an open prison, so we understand. What we have to remember is that Patrick Mackay was incarcerated Um, before he committed these murders and was allowed to go free. And there was an outcry at the time that he had been allowed to go free by the system and gone on to kill people. We do not want to make that same mistake again. He is believed to be involved in anywhere up to 13 different killings. He confessed to 11, um, but then retracted those confessions and ultimately was convicted of three manslaughters. One of the things I want to establish, and I've asked the Secretary of State for Justice to uh, confirm this, is what kind of investigation has taken place into those outstanding killings? Has there been any real investigation since the 1970s into those matters? Should he not be brought back before the courts and tried for those with any advancements in technology that we have now that we didn't have in the 1970s? We've got to ensure that those victims also received justice as well as the three that he was convicted for. There was an attitude in the 1970s for serial killers and we saw it with the Yorkshire Ripper I believe as well that uh, if someone could be convicted of two or three killings then that was enough and the rest could lie on file and I think that was the attitude with Patrick Mackay. You know he was convicted of three manslaughters and the feeling was at the time was that was sufficient they didn't need to properly investigate the other matters didn't need to try those matters before a jury Um, and were therefore allowed to, say, sit on file and see him go to prison on the remaining three matters. Now, I I don't think that's sufficient. I think there should be a proper investigation into the other killings that he confessed to, uh, although he retracted those confessions, uh, to see what evidence there is, whether it's sufficient to go before a court. I understand that one of the investigating officers said that he was able to give very detailed information about those other killings and the evidence was fairly good, although not as good as those three that he was convicted on. So there seems to be information there that could provide the basis of a prosecution against Patrick Mackay. And if that is the case, he should be prosecuted for the outstanding murders. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Well, this is a man, don't forget, we're talking about, who enjoyed torturing animals. He's alleged to have killed 
uh, both old people and even a young boy. You know, this is somebody who was a registered psychopath at the time. This is a man who had no empathy whatsoever for other people's and was classified to be a very, very dangerous individual. So we believe he killed up to 13 people. Um, he was allowed to be set free to kill at least the three that he was convicted of and maybe more. Um, we cannot make the same mistake that we made in the 1970s in letting someone as dangerous as Patrick Mackay be released only to go on and kill again. People in Dartford have a right to know. They have a right to know whether this man is going to be released into the community. If that is the case, then why haven't the other murders been investigated? You know, what sort of supervision would take place if he were to be released? Why is he suddenly now? Uh, if he were to be released, not dangerous, when he's been deemed to be too dangerous to be released time and time again. Now we need some answers to this. I've asked David Galt, the Justice Secretary, for these answers. We haven't had the full information forthcoming yet, so I'm trying to secure a meeting with him so we can understand exactly where we are with Patrick Mackay. There's a reason why he is Britain's longest serving prisoner. Uh, and that reason is because he's an incredibly dangerous individual and we should not let somebody like that out onto the streets lightly. Kent Online News. Stars from music, stage and screen have joined forces with the Duke of Cambridge for a special broadcast on KMFM. We've joined forces with hundreds of radio stations across the country to bring you the minute-long message at the start of Mental Health Awareness Week. Prince William was joined by Katy Perry, Stephen Fry, Alicia Dixon and Jamila Jamil. If you missed it, here is the Mental Health Minute. Are you listening? Are you really listening? Answer these questions out loud. What does S-H-O-P spell? And what do you do at a green light? Stop? Or should you go on green? Katie? I'd say stop. I mean, most people do. So while we are listening, we're not really listening. Jamila? We do it all the time, in one ear and out the other. Life can just get too busy, can't it, Mr Fry? It can indeed, but there are people out there desperate to be heard, and you can help by taking the time to listen, even if you're a prince. Being able to talk about how you're feeling is essential for keeping mentally fit and healthy. So maybe now is the time for us to stop and to really listen. Right now, you are one of 20 million people listening. On more than 300 radio stations. And each and every one of us has the power to make a difference to someone. Just by taking a minute to stop. And to listen. To really listen. As we mark the Awareness Week, Kent Olympian Jack Green has been speaking out about how important it is to give children the tools to deal with mental health issues. The 27-year-old hurdler from Folkestone took a year out of athletics while suffering from depression after London 2012. He's told Nicola things like the Awareness Week and the Mental Health Minutes are important. Oh, it's fantastic that the awareness is, is increasing. I think what's happening with social media and having these weeks is great. Uh, the awareness is definitely better, but I think now we need to start pushing on to the understanding of mental health as well. I think everyone's aware of it. Now it's actually what is it and how can we help people and hopefully that's the next stage for us and through my own my own platform my own voice hopefully I can help that have you found that you've been able to or sharing your story has helped you as well as helping other people yeah hugely uh, it allows me to you know you say it out loud and you start thinking actually what what does this mean and and when I'm trying to teach lessons and how to manage it I'm thinking I'm not doing a lot of that to be honest I'm, I'm preaching it maybe <laughs> I should start doing it so yeah it's fantastic to be able to help um, I'm working in, in schools and doing talks with businesses and my reach is quite quite huge now um, um, which is exciting because the more people we can help, the better, and that's the whole point of it. 
Do you enjoy that particularly, maybe speaking to the younger generation, because they've got so many more pressures than perhaps we did when we were growing up? It's just a different world, isn't it? It's Life's, you say it's pretty much the same, but their, their pressures are, when you think of social media and, and the way that the media works, it's everyone's got their own big bubble rather than this little one and um, unfortunately a lot of pressure comes with that but I think if we can give people the tools to manage their mental health it's not a case of let's get rid of mental health that's that's not going to happen we have everyone has mental health whether it's good or poor um, it's just a case of here are some some tips and here's some tools and in your armory to kind of deal with that and if we can educate that from a young age that'd be fantastic and not keeping quiet I suppose there's always that message isn't there just talk to someone whoever it may be yeah massive especially with in um, male boys um, all men really struggle um, because we're told especially in this country with the culture it's that stiff upper lip and uh, boys aren't allowed to cry and all this jazz when actually we're all human beings so it's just getting that point across but I think it's definitely improving Kent Online reports a rapist who fled the UK to avoid a trial 12 years ago has been jailed for 15 years on a Missy Seydoux from Chatham failed to turn up at Maidstone Crown Court in 2007 instead leaving the country. The 47-year-old was arrested in March when he took a flight into Heathrow. It's feared even more migrants will risk their lives crossing the channel to reach Britain as the weather gets warmer. Eight children were among 26 people found by Border Force officers in two small boats off the Kent coast on Sunday morning. Another group of 16 were picked up the day before. A mum says she's utterly shocked and appalled after a plaque and flowers left on her baby daughter's grave were stolen. Alma Callista died at just three weeks old after she was born with a heart condition and is buried at Tunbridge Cemetery in Welland Road. A man who helped save his neighbours from a fire in Maidstone is now living in a tent after being kicked out of his house by bailiffs. Paul Wallace and others managed to reach those living in the flats at Walshaw House in December and bring them to safety, but his close friend Judith Tucker died in the blaze. Five months later, and the 52-year-old has been evicted from Telford House after being unable to afford the rent. Tom has been speaking to him about it all. Well, that night, um, uh, I was knocked up by some friends of mine that said that there was smoke coming out of Jude's. Um, I got out as quick as I could because I I had a number for the key press that was outside. When I got to the to the door for the, the key press, I couldn't see the key press. There was so much smoke there. But my friend Mikey had gone in through the front room windows and tried to get in to rescue Jude, but the flame and the smoke and everything else was so bad that he came running through the front door which I was at and. It was almost like a backdraft. The, the front door slammed behind him. I went down the side of the building to see if I could do anything with the front room windows. And it was as I approached the green, I heard the explosion, see the glass and the flame. It just exploded. Uh, at that time, I knew we, you know, we, we couldn't help Jude. But the, with the flames and the smoke and everything else, everyone above was in... Um, danger so I went upstairs covered my mouth with my t-shirt I got the two ladies out directly above above Jude's one of them actually collapsed at the door when the smoke hit her and I literally had to push her by her backside along the corridor to, to get her to get out her friends came out they was worried about the cats I was like I'm worried about the cats get out I remember a gentleman come running past me to bang on all the other doors and between me and that gentleman, um, who lives a couple of doors down, 
we managed to get everyone else out of all the flats and directed them all up this way where the, it was free of smoke. But obviously it was a uh, absolute, uh, I can't even explain. Devastating. She was, she was a lock em up. And she was a true friend. And uh, I did go to court that day on the morning of the fire. But I was, um, I was told by Golden Holmes that they wouldn't evict me, you know, not to worry to go home. Don't have to go in front of the judge. And then another representative from Golden Homes met me outside here, outside my flat, where I was obviously very upset and again stated they would not evict me. And I think it was about a week after Christmas, I was back in court. And obviously it led up to Friday where I tried to appeal it and told the judge and stuff that I'm not well. It didn't, didn't make no difference. Golden Homes wanted the flat back and here I am. How, right. does it, how does it make you feel that you know you have gone out of your way to help so many people at such a difficult time? Yeah, it's, yeah. In, in a way, you know, I, I feel really disgusted because I, I was born in Maystone. I was born in this town. My dad was born in this town. And my granddad like, was a member of the military police. And he used to escort the prisoners of war. He used to work just down the road, you know what I mean? So I've got ties to this town. And I worked many years at the hospital, and there were times I couldn't even walk through the town without being recognised, and that was all because of my caring when I was at the hospital. Now people really looked out for me, you know, they always asked for me, you know. It took me ten minutes like, to walk from one end of the hospital to the other, because I'd get stopped so many times to ask, you know, what's, how are you, you know. And so at the moment, when, when you feel like you've, you've put a little bit in, and you don't get nothing back, it's... Why, why bother? Kent Online News. Ebbsfleet players and their families have gathered at the club's ground this morning to protest about unpaid wages. Last week, they issued a statement saying they still hadn't been paid for April and accused the club's owner of avoiding meetings. Fleet's managing director has refuted the allegations, saying they're paying the salaries from overseas, which can result in a delay of funds, and they're working to improve it. Harry's been chatting to David Barry and Mick Clark, two of the fans who joined the players in support. From a fan, the last couple of seasons, what have you made of what's been going on? Um, well, what's been going on the pitch has been great for the past two years, until the last six months when they 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 uh, dismissed the last manager, and and that's when we last we got an inkling of uh, things going wrong behind the scenes, and then we found out that um, players have been getting their wages um, uh, constantly two or three weeks away, two or three weeks in arrears every month and I'm just amazed that the players have all stuck together and, and played such good football under terrible conditions and I'm down here to protest that no business should should treat a, a true a, a group of hard-working players who, who've achieved so much like dirt they're, they're more or less just being dismissed I'm from a fan's point of view, you must. How much do you worry when you go to games or whatever? And you think the players might not be there, or there might be a big padlock across these. Well, I don't believe this. There will be a padlock against the door because uh, this team has been dismantled. Uh, we've got 
about seven weeks to, to find a new team to complete in the National League. As a fan, what have you made of what's been going on for the last... I don't know, I'm trying to make out what they're doing to my club. You know, it's, uh, you, can't, you don't know what to believe, do you? And as a fan, how has it been, I imagine, coming to games and not knowing whether you know, the players are going to be on the pitch or whether you're going to turn up and there'll be a big padlock on the stage? Well, the last two years we've done well. And, you know, expected to go on from there. But now we've got no players, well, we, you know, where'll be going? Where'll be going from there? Um, what do you make kind of a, a personal connection between what the players are going through as well? Well, I wouldn't work for no money, would you? You know, if they're not getting paid, why should they, you know, why would they complain? Of course you would. That's I guess you've, you know, you followed the club throughout those decades through thick and thin. How would you compare what's going on now compared to some of the, those other lower moments down those years? Well, I mean, we've been through lower leagues and that, but we've, the last two years we've had a bloody good side. It was eighth this year with all what was going on in the club. And now all of a sudden all the pl best players are about to go because they can't afford to pay their wages. And we're down to six players, I think. And next season, what's your plan? I don't know, are we going to have a club? Don't know. Hope so. And finally today, more than 2,000 supersized babies have been born in Kent in just a year, according to data from the NHS. Out of almost 17,500 born in the county in the 12 months to last March, 12% weighed 4 kilograms or more. That's £8.13. ounces. That's it for now, but for more news throughout the day, you can head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.